think about industries that are really booming right now, the video platforms, even the one that we're speaking on right now. I mean, imagine how the reps at Zoom felt during the height of the pandemic and how much money they must have made. I mean, you don't have that much practice of making six-figure checks unless you are an executive somehow. But if you don't have the right systems in place, you can end up burning yourself out or not feeling fulfilled at work because you don't know what to do to maximize that. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Chantel George. Chantel's a senior client partner at Twitter, and she's the founder and CEO of Sistas in Sales, the largest global organization for women of color in sales. And in our conversation today, among many other topics, we talk about the mission and purpose of Sistas in Sales, and we get into the kinds of programs and support it provides for its members. We also dig into some of the specific challenges facing women of color in, well, in particular, B2B sales, including, among those, the pressures that women of color feel to conform and comply with some white male stereotype of what a successful person looks like and talks like. And we dive into the problem of lack of mentorship opportunities available to women of color in sales. And we talk about the lack of exposure to senior executives for women of color in sales and the impact that has on their opportunities for development and advancement. So we get into all of this and much, much more. But before we get to Chantel, I want to remind you to check out my latest book, Sell Without Selling Out. It's a modern human-centric framework that every seller can use to succeed in sales helping their buyers achieve the things that are most important to them. It's available everywhere you shop for books, online, and in stores. So thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Chantal, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Andy. It's a pleasure to have you here. So you're joining us from where? New York, specifically New York. the Bronx, New York. The Bronx, yeah. The Bronx. Are you a Yankees fan? No. <laughs> Not a baseball fan? No sports. No sports. No sports. No, no. Um, it's hard to hard to do in New York, just be neutral like that. Yeah. You know, I live in a micro community of Caribbean immigrants and I know okay. cricket, I know soccer. I know those are some of the sports that they played back home and those teams right. aren't in this area. So I feel <laughs> that there was some continuity issues when it came to um, being sports fans from the Caribbean to the Bronx, New York. But all in all, it just wasn't in my culture growing up. Yeah. Speaking of career, I remember, especially in the spring and summer, is on weekends when I'm driving or <laughs> being driven out to uh, JFK, right that park, right where sort of, uh, you know, the Van Wick and the LIE and the Grand Central all sort of come together right there. There's a park, there's always cricket going on on the weekends. Really? All yeah. right, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, somebody... Somebody, I just saw a stat recently about how many like cricket fields are in the New York City area, and it was a surprisingly large number. We're missing out. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I I almost understand the game. There you go, and that's half the battle. Yeah, almost. I mean, I I like watching the one-day competitions. Those are fun, but uh, yeah. So anyway, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself then. So what you do. I'm a sales professional and also the founder and CEO of the largest sales network for black and brown women. 
And, um, you know, I stumbled across a profession, thought I was going to be a lawyer, Mm -hmm. tried a sales job instead. One thing led to another. And um, I found myself at a crossroads um, trying to figure out how to navigate this industry now that I had committed to it. So in that journey, I decided to create an organization to support myself, which ended up supporting over 5,000 under other women over the course of five years. So the organization is called? Sisters in Sales. Sisters in Sales. And so what was the, you know, other than supporting yourself, but what was the impetus or what maybe you'd experienced that said, yeah, something's missing out here. Let me start this organization. You know, a lot of companies have their own individual development tracks, Right. Like SDRs Mm -hmm. can be Mm -hmm. SDR ones, SDR twos, AEs and senior AEs. But that's just within the the confines of that company. And after you after you've completed climbing up that ladder within that company, now you need some additional information to navigate the broader industry. And Mm -hmm. I looked up and I had been at my first company for four years and I had gone all the way to becoming an enterprise account executive. Mm -hmm. And I simply did not know what that meant in the broader scheme of the sales industry, you know, where to go, what to do. Right. Am I underpaid? Am I overpaid? Am I what, what now? And so I needed to have conversations with other women that had 15, 20 years of experience who could point out what I needed to do because I needed information I didn't have outside of the information that was given to me by HR professionals at my first company. Yeah. What's interesting. I'd read on your site, um, a story about a woman named Monica Roberts. who's talking about, you know, that why there's a fact, a figure in there from a McKinsey report that, you know, for, I said, 59% of black women said they've never had, you know, an informal sort of mentoring type, interaction with, with a senior leader at work. Yes. And so is part, I mean, I was just, the you know, question was, is, you know, what do you think is counts for this lack of mentorship as people serve? Is it a matter of asking or it's just not available? So I've given that some thought. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would ask me if I have, mentors right now in my life that know how to fix homes or know how to fix cars or um, any other type of blue collar work, I would say with a resounding yes. Right. You know, Um, you know, um, my family are comprised of the, the generation that came to this country are comprised of blue collar professionals that know how to get their hands dirty and, and, and build stuff. Mm-hmm. If if you were to ask me if I knew if I knew where to find professional salespeople after working for four years outside of the company that I worked in, where I could have an authentic and safe conversation about my career, the answer is no. I just no. wasn't raised around corporate salespeople. I right. I didn't know where to find corporate salespeople. I found my first job from Craigslist. You know, I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just a matter of the environment. But um, now, you know, my other cousins that are around my same age, we're the generation that some of us were born here or at least came here at a very young age and Mm -hmm. we're creating pathways for ourselves, um, which is which is phenomenal to see. But, you know, um, 
we needed we needed a community to come together around us to support us, especially because this industry is so incestuous. And um, sales and you're talking about sales. The sales right. industry is in such in, incestuous, and so mm-hmm. it. Um, cycling the same people from the same colleges who know the same people into the same organizations or the, the same people into leadership positions that even though they don't succeed at one place, they keep getting sort of like baseball managers keep getting recycled into leadership positions. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I'll, I'll just I'm say s- one last point, even sure. if um, someone who is a minority makes it into a leadership role, their network still isn't big enough to make substantial, substantial change because right. of the, the systemic issue I just mentioned. We right. all just didn't know each other before this. And is it your feeling that this is more pronounced in the sales profession than perhaps other professions? I mean, I, I can't speak on others per se. You know, the reason why mm-hmm. I can speak about sales is because you're, Outside of us not knowing each other prior to this, we also right. had negative perceptions of the of the industry prior to this too. Right. So I don't know if other industries had to overcome some of those negative stereotypes as much as it is within the sales industry. Um, so I often feel like marketing, HR, operations, you know, those jobs come across respectable. I'm giving air quotes, and mm. sales comes across. <laughs> you know, shady uh, and misleading, right. manipulative, you know, so I, you know, it just isn't it, even thinking about a group of salespeople getting together can give some people the heebie-jeebies. Oh no, they shouldn't be getting together. What could they possibly be conspiring about? So I think, right. you know, versus other industries. So what question I had is, is, and then I want to jump into some of the programs that you offer through sisters and sales is, is and my belief is, is, you know, one of the, real problematic areas in certainly B2B sales these days is sort of this pressure to conform, right? Is, is the way some you know, managers default to the sort of heavy handed way they use certain sales technologies say, look, you know, this is, these are the words you need to use in a conversation. You know, this is cause our top seller used these words in this order and they were closing more deals or, it just by just sense and and certainly the reaction to people that have been reading my new book is like because it's all about how to succeed on your own terms. Do you find that that pressure to conform? Not just I mean I know people sort of feel it, but feel it sort of doubly. Um, yeah, I would say yes because the job has you following a playbook. It doesn't have you having the best understanding about yourself and then Mm. figuring out what works best for you. And a lot of managers manage to playbooks versus managing to your personality and identifying your strengths and weaknesses. So um, I was lucky that I had a manager that managed to my strengths and weaknesses and allowed me to find my own talk tracks, allowed me to find ways to connect to people. Then when I found it, it never left me. Right. You know, a lot of people underestimate how important that is for someone to kind of wade through the confusion of figuring out how to do this job on their own. And and they will get there, you know. Um, if they're allowed to. If they are allowed to. Exactly. Right. So, you know, nowadays, the level of confidence that I have from growing this community, from meeting other amazing 
um, women of color in sales, it would take mm-hmm. a lot for somebody to knock me off my square <laughs> and put me in, in a playbook. Yeah, again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think it's just this constant pressure. And I was just struck, you know, reading some of the, the stories on your site um, about how important, cause I believe this <laughs> for everybody in sales is, is you owe it to yourself to become the best version of you and to resist these pressures to, to conform. Uh, and it's because you are always going to be the difference. Exactly. Exactly. And I've been saying this too, you know, when I reflect and I talk to my team, I've had the best sales years of my life since I started this organization because I'm just talking about what my needs are from the Mm -hmm. most authentic place. Mm -hmm. You know, when you are selling a conference idea that's built to solve your problem, and you just are having a direct conversation like you would with a friend or with a family member, and people feel that it makes them feel safe when they talk to you, that it, Mm -hmm. you know, they can feel the earnest the sense of earnest that you bring to the conversation, right? You know, because I genuinely believe, and I live, and I breathed what this feels like. And you know, I'm lucky because I got to sell what I need. But for people that are working at companies where they didn't build what they're selling, I think that sometimes the founders don't spend enough time with the newer people transferring that energy into them. Mm-hmm. You know, and and spending some of that quality time recapping their origin story. I, I talk about, we've been doing this for five years on the CIS side. I take right. everybody back to day one when I, when I sell and talk through partnership opportunities. I, right. you know, I use psychographics to take them back to how I felt when I walked into a room and I felt alone and I mm-hmm. didn't know who to talk to. And I'm, you know, you're not seeing me face, uh, you're not seeing me um, in person, but I'm almost 5'10". You know, and it's kind of hard to miss me. And, you know, with heels, I'm six feet. And so I'm walking around at a happy hour and I don't know anybody and I have a glass of wine and I'm, you know, I'm uncomfortable. And so I, right. I, I put people in that position. I put them in their in that mindset when I talk to them about what I built and why I built it. But a sales manager can't breathe that into you if they haven't, if a founder didn't breathe that into them. And as companies continue to scale, right. that, that, um, bonfire story, right? Like how we used to tell stories back in the day, Mm -hmm. we'd all get around a bonfire and tell um, primary stories that way. Like that's missing. A lot of that is missing or a founder will show up and talk on onboarding day and never show up again. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a certain, as you said, transference of enthusiasm comes from hearing the founders of just explain the rationale behind what everybody's doing and why. So tell us a little bit about then You've said you've got a conference coming up for yes. Sisters in Sales. So so tell us about the, the conference. The conference is really important to me because it's timely. Um, every time I build content for the conference, I take a step back and I really think about what does everybody need? Mm-hmm. At least what does the majority need? And I take into consideration the state of the world, um, economic um, tailwinds, um, the state of the technology industry there, you know, those big, big factors that are affecting everybody's lives directly and indirectly. Mm-hmm. 
And so last year I spoke about the importance of preparing because the pandemic threw us for a loop. As women, we had more responsibilities than ever before because we're at home and we're also working and, you know, doing all of these little um, tasks that add up. So I spent a lot of time talking about finding time for yourself, finding time for mental health. I had a Mm -hmm. cohort with a therapist bring a cohort of women through um, some therapy, you know, to make sure that everyone was coming out on the other end okay. Um, Talked about how to manage just your work life last year. This year, as we are experiencing a bit of a rebound, the content this year, what I'm excited about to talk about this year is the importance of getting your economic house in order. You know, inflation and um, cost of living just Mm -hmm. has risen to astronomical levels. And the first day of the conference, we're just going to lay it on the table and talk about how to maximize our bonuses and commissions to protect ourselves and Mm -hmm. achieve stability. Um, The second day, we're talking all about sales acumen, how to get better. I'm looking for sales leaders from around the world to teach their methodologies Mm -hmm. and pour into this group of women and focus just on repetition and getting better. And then the third day is about accountability because I'm a big believer in accountability allows you to actually make systemic change. Mm -hmm. How do you hold yourself accountable? How do you hold your organization accountable? How do you have tough conversations when you're not getting what you need? You know, how do you make sure that you're not dropping the ball? So these topics are a little bit more heavy hitting, but Mm -hmm. I think it's what we need because, you know, we need to create systems for ourselves going into 2023. So that's a little bit more of what it's about. And so is it virtual or in person? In person in Queens, New York, at a venue called the Knockdown Center, September 21st to September 23rd. Um, Google is our champion sponsor alongside a lot of other major companies like Workday, Oracle, Mm -hmm. Salesforce, and the like that have been with us for years. And so we're excited to welcome welcome them back again. I love it. So so you mentioned this idea about having hard conversations. So how do you teach people to do that in the members of your organization? Because – you, know, you look at what's happening in sales. We have this, you know, people churning from jobs, you know, AEs in the tech business. It's like maybe they stay a year now, uh, maybe a little less, according to one report I just saw. Obviously, a lot of these conversations aren't taking place. Well, I think a lot of people are trying to find what works best for their families. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are a lot more companies out there than ever before. Last thing that I read, there are two million vacancies, um, tech, two million vacancies within the technology sector. Mm-hmm. That's outpacing the amount of companies that are being created. Like the demand for employment is outpacing the amount of companies being created. And so, mm-hmm. anytime you're being presented with opportunities like the gold rush or whatnot, you're always looking for pockets of success. And it's hard to kind of stay put and have a hard conversation with yourself about what the what your future looks like because there's just so much unpredictability. Right. You know, I give a lot of grace to, to everyone right now. Um, I especially give a lot of grace to the people in my community because there are solid and concrete reasons as to why we make decisions and why, you know, we may hesitate to join, you know, uh, the real estate boom that happened two years ago mm-hmm. because 
you know, fears of leaving our communities and walking into spaces where we might be the only one. Right. Or in certain cases, you may be presented, like you mentioned, AE, who's leaving after a year. You may be presented with money you've never seen in your life before because right. of the rise of all of these um, well-funded startups. Then you have to have a conversation with yourself about what does this mean? What are the trade-offs? These are all unique opportunities for so many people. Nobody really knows what to do, but like right. they're learning about themselves in the process. So I, I have a feeling it'll all balance itself out. I just, I always say to have grace with yourself. We've never been in these spaces before. Right. Well, I like that. I mean, I, I like what you're talking about with your program too, for your conferences that I think a missing element across the board and in onboarding salespeople, especially people newer to the profession is yeah, financial responsibility, mm. right? Employers oftentimes think, well, that's not my job. But it's like, well, you're dealing with this whole person here, right? Is, is their ability to feel more comfortable at work and, and have less anxiety might depend on somebody just teaching them something they've never been exposed to before, which is maybe just how to open a bank account, how to open an investment account, things that are simple like that that people oftentimes take for granted. Absolutely. Or what to do when you make your first six-figure check. Six-figure bonus. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about industries that are, are really booming right now, the video platforms, even the one that we're speaking on right now, I mean, mm-hmm. imagine how the reps at Zoom felt during the height <laughs> yeah. of the pandemic and yeah. how much money they must have made. I mean, it, there's not a lot of, you don't have that many, uh, that much practice of making six-figure checks and no. you no. are an executive somehow. So, you know, but if you don't have the right systems in place, you can end up burning yourself out or not feeling fulfilled at work because you don't know what to do to maximize that. Um, and so yeah. that's, you know, that's a lot of the tactical stuff we're going over. So sort of last question is, is so how do we, we collectively as a, a profession and industry sales, <sighs> still struggling to bring you know, more diversity to the workforce. Um, in your mind, what's, what's, what's the key to that? You know, how do we change that? Because it's, it's, you know, you even look at job descriptions and it's like that people write for jobs they are going to post and it's just the words they use. You can see they're exclusive, you know, excluding people that might read them just, yeah, interested in your opinion. So how do we how do we begin to do this in a sustainable basis? To meet people where they're at, you know, go to actually where these communities are living, going to school, mm-hmm. concentrated, and explain because to someone outside of this community, working in the sales industry is confusing. It sounds very much high pressure, but not in a good way, in a bad right. way. Right. You know, because of the, the stereotypes of, of salespeople, as you mentioned before. So how do we, you know, I've said this before, when I got into my first sales job, I felt like I was in college and everybody had a syllabus except for me. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's one thing to show up, but it's also to tell people what it looks like for a life in this industry. If I, like I mentioned to you, I have people in my family that are contractors that, you know, that do all of these. I know what a life for them looks like. I've seen it and I can throw a dart and find somebody else who also has done a similar lifespan. But I need to see someone who's done this sales thing for 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. Then I can make a decision. 
But those people have to come to us and share their stories, which is why I ask all of these executive women to speak on panels to share their stories. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, so tell people again about the conference that's coming up. September 21st, September 23rd, all about finance, sales, acumen, and accountability. Um, we would love to have you there. There are some great activations going on. Google is doing an activation with resume reviews and headshots. Um, and it's going to be a celebration. We're turning five years old and we have Congratulations. built this. Thank you. We have built this tirelessly. And so we want to celebrate with you. So see you then, hopefully. And if people want to register, where do they go? Sistersinsales.com. Perfect. All right. Well, Chantal, thank you very much. Well, actually, if long time, if people want to connect with you, best place to do that is LinkedIn. LinkedIn, Chantel George. Excellent. Okay. Chantel, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Chantel George, for sharing her insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.